We are in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I was going to take a few more sermons to finish out chapter 12, but I think we're just going to finish it today, God willing. And uh, so next Sunday we'll get into the love chapter. So 1 Corinthians 12, uh, looking at verses 14 to 31. I, uh, Man and I were talking. I've been to the ER three times in 2020 for self-inflicted wounds uh, with knives. So apparently if you ever run a knife fight with me, you won't have to worry. I'll take care of myself. And this last time, the nurse asked me if I had meant to hurt myself. I don't think she did that because she knew this was the third time. I think it's just what they ask people. And I kind of, you know, what a dumb question. Um, Because you don't want to cause pain to your own body, right? Typically. Um, You'd like to live without pain if possible and not inflict pain on your own body. And the same is true with the church. We are Christ's body. We are his body. And he does not... uh, willingly enjoy inflicting pain on us. He loves us. He is for us. And so everything in his word is meant to cause us to live for his glory so we might experience the rest and peace that he would have for us. And if he does inflict pain, it's like a surgeon uh, doing that which will only lead to greater growth by causing that pain. And so in 1 Corinthians 12, he's convincing us that we are his body. He's especially convincing those of you who are prone to think that you aren't as important or that you've experienced hard things in the church and and so you are doubting your place in the body. Maybe others have looked down on you. Maybe others have thought you unimportant. And, And so he wants to show you that the weaker parts are as much a part of the body as any other. In fact, on you is bestowed greater honor. And so this text is meant to encourage, while it also rebukes the discord and disunity in the church where one part looks down on another or, and so on, causes pain and, and conflict. Now, I also want to say, why does this matter on what's going on today? Why would, why, why not, like, we have an election on Tuesday, we have all of this stuff going on in the world, why not preach on something that's going to hit on what's happening in our world? Why don't why does the preacher help us to deal with all that's going on in the world? <clears throat> Why does this matter? Well, there is no more important institution on the face of the earth than the church. Nothing else matters as much as Christ's body. <clears throat> and so, reminding you of that, helping you understand the reality of who we are, defining it for you, is going to be very applicable. And as I said a few weeks ago, or maybe it was last week, excuse me, voting for a candidate that you think will be most helpful to the church is a very Christian thing to do. And so let's focus on who the church is. Let's remind us of the eternal importance of this gathering. That there is no more important voting criteria than that candidate which is going to protect, give justice to, 
the people of God, and I, and I think it's stark, the contrast in this election for that. All right, let me read this text, uh, explain a little bit more about it, and then get into the nature of who we are. Let's uh, begin in verse 14. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But, as it is, God, has, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weak are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts as treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body and that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, but earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. Let's pray. Father, our souls need life according to your word. And so do that for us now. Teach us to meditate on your wondrous works. Give us an attentiveness to it. Put false ways far from us. Graciously teach us your law. May we cling to your testimonies that we may not be put to shame and so enlarge our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. So we have this metaphor of the body uh, that is teaching us that we have many diverse parts and yet we're one. We've all seen this before. This is being created in the image of God who is one and yet triune. So they have these distinctions, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and yet they're one. The church is the same way. And here we have two problems in these verses. One part saying to himself, I'm not needed because I'm not. And so you have some envy, some pride in reverse of self-focus. Right? Because you're not seemingly as important as somebody else, you think yourself the authority to cut yourself off from the body. You can't say that. And neither then can another part who thinks less of somebody else say, you're not needed here. That's the more obvious. We see that from time to time. Uh, those looking down on somebody else because they don't seem as important as they are. And so you're not needed. Now, of course, nobody actually says that out loud. We just think it. We live like it. We treat others like it. We disdain others. We avoid talking to them. We make them to feel less important. 
or we make ourselves to feel more important. And Paul, what Paul does here is he teaches us the nature of the body that yes, we have uh, many parts and yet one. And he does it with a focus on God's sovereignty. Look at verse 18. God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. Verse 24. God has so composed the body. Verse 28. God has appointed. So there is this theme written throughout these verses that we saw in previous weeks of God's complete and utter control over composing the body as he sees fit. And don't forget again, we're here talking about a local church. We're not talking about the church worldwide for all time. We're talking about a local church in the city of Corinth, in the city of Rhinelander, that God has so composed as he's seen fit. Why are you here? Why are you part of this? Because God has chosen it. Because God has composed you to be a part of us as you are. And so, as you begin to think of the nature of the local church, it's God's. I know you know that, but do you know that? I know that if we had a theological multiple choice test that said, whose is the church? And there was very various questions. A is the pastors. B is this little group of people who want control. C is God's or D is whatever. You'd all click C. Because we all can give the Sunday school answer. But do you actually live like this is God's? Does this actually impress upon you how you treat others that they are here as a part of this body occupying the part he wants them because of God's sovereign choice of them? Is that how you view each other? God arranges. Think of that language. God arranges the members in his body, each one of them as he chooses. This speaks of not only sovereign control and authority, but care, intimacy. I got a text this morning from one of the members of our church uh, going through a difficult time, but saying that God knows my name. It's that kind of a care that this text is communicating. He put each part particularly wants it at the time he wants it for the purpose he wants it. And so God isn't hands off. He's done as pleases him. And yet too many times we only want what is our preference, don't we? God has arranged the church as pleases him and yet it's all about us, right? It's all about your preference. I want this kind of music, not that kind of music. I want this kind of group and not that kind of group. We begin to evaluate the church based on our preference rather than God's sovereign care. And so our identity is we're God's. We're being assembled, arranged, put together as he chooses and he calls us the body of his son. This is who we are. Just please just give your mind and your heart a moment to that. Metaphor. We are Christ's body. It's, it's very wonderful. It's beyond our ability to consider. Christ is at the right hand of the Father, representing us to the Father, and we here on the earth then are representing the world, Christ. 
we as this local church at Pine Grove Community Church, us, represent visibly Christ himself. We are his body. He puts us forth as the visible, physical reality of him on earth. This is incredible what we are. It is incredible. And what we as sinners do is always try to tear it apart. It's what you do. There you go again, using the word you. That's what you do. God has created us with these incredible distinctions and diversity. And you do not like it because you want everybody to be like you. And so you'll go about like they've gone about in your flesh, desiring what you desire and harming the church. That's what the church in Corinth had done. If you start at the beginning of Corinth, I spoke in the time of confession all of these distinctions that God has made. In chapter 1, there's a distinction in the church among teachers. And rather than just rejoicing in the different teachers, rejoicing in the different pastors, they're dividing up under each one. I follow Paul, I follow Apollos. They're dividing up amongst the distinctions that God had given them in the teaching. He does that for the first four chapters of the book. In chapter 5, there's a distinction in who you're able to go to bed with and who you're not. You're not to go to bed with your father's wife. There's a distinction there. And a man refused to honor that distinction. The elders refused to do anything about it. In fact, they were patting themselves on the back of how progressive they were, that they, that they were accepting of this man. They were so loving. And yet they put us under that distinction. Fast forward to chapter 11. There's supposed to be distinction between men and women in the worship. Men are to take the authority to assume the lead. Women are to show with a symbol on their head of a covering their submission to a man, and, and they refuse to do it. Later on in chapter 14, Paul will say, can't just the women stop talking so much? <laughs> Won't they submit? Right? We want to destroy these distinctions. Later on in chapter 11, in the Lord's Supper, the wealthy are going on ahead, eating, filling themselves up, getting drunk, while the poor don't have anything. And now here we have spiritual gifts. So we are prone, we tend to, in our sinful nature, to want to destroy the body that Christ has given us. We want to head to the ER based on our own foolishness and sin. We want to harm the divisions. And so Paul is emphasizing in these verses the divisions, the goodness of them, or the distinctions, I'm sorry, the diversity, the goodness of them. And he likens them to parts. We have various parts. We have feet. We have ears. We have noses. We have eyes. We have heads. We have weaker parts and stronger parts. We have parts that are more presentable and parts that are less presentable. Just think about that. If you have little kids, um, one of the things that they'll giggle at is when you say certain body parts. 
like a butt. See, the kids are giggling right now. He said butt. Blair kids, right? Right? If you say butt in your home, everybody giggles around the table, right? I just want to show you how every day the Bible is. Look at verse 23. On, on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we still greater honor, and our unpresentable parts. What is he talking about there? See, sometimes we get like too spiritual for the Bible. That we have parts of our body that we don't want to be shown and so we cover them up. And you don't talk about them in polite society. And here Paul is likening some of you parts as those parts. (laughs) And that one of the things the body does, the church, is we take care of those parts that for whatever reason are less presentable at that moment. Who comes to your mind when you think of less presentable parts of our church? Who are the parts that we would rather not present? Who comes to your mind? We're supposed to take extra good care of them. And you know what you'll do after the service? You'll hope you don't get into a conversation with one of them because you're too good for them because they're not presentable. they're not as important because they don't have the social awareness that others do because there's more important people to talk to that'll be more important for others to see you talking to those more important people and not to that person and yet Paul says that these unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty giving greater honor to the parts that lack it that we might have the same care for one another And yet we will use these differences to harm the church. And so kids, look at your pinky a second. This is seemingly one of the least important parts of your body. Would you want to cut it off? No, David? Nope, don't cut off your pinky. Why wouldn't you want to cut it off? It would hurt. Right? Your body wouldn't function as well without it. That's what Paul is saying here. That's what we do when we treat each other like this. It's like we're taking a cleaver to our pinky. And we won't care for the less presentable parts, for the less honorable parts, for those parts that we think is unimportant. Some of you do this to yourself. Some of you look at yourself and think you're less important. Some of you think you don't fit here. And so you'll make the decision like every good consumer to find a place that you think is a better fit. You'll take your time and your energy and your money elsewhere. You look at this church and you think yourself unimportant or you think yourself too good. You're just not getting fed here. You know what I hear when I hear people say, I'm not getting fed here? I hear that my ears aren't being itched here. I hear that I'm the sovereign God who arranges the body as I see fit and I'm going to take my part elsewhere. So many people treat the church just like that. But not us, right? Not you. Because what happens in Corinth could never happen at Pine Grove. Thank God we're not like this at all. 
the whole purpose of this entire section is to teach you to love each other. There's a reason that verse, or chapter 13 follows chapter 12. This entire section, these entire chapters of 12 to 14 are all about love. They are all about teaching you how to love the church as Christ's body, how Christ loves the church. We're trying to teach you how to do it. And so these verses aim to encourage you to love and to order your loves rightly. All sin proceeds from disordered love. From taking the good things that God has given you, the right things that God is giving you, and getting them all out of whack. And the first thing to realize in these verses is the love of God for his church. These verses declare how important, how vital, how beloved the body of Christ is to God the Father. Do not forget how God the Father speaks when he speaks of his Son. There's a couple times in the gospel when we hear the Father audibly speak about his Son. What does he say? This is my beloved son. We are his son's body. He takes particular care in arranging us. Our world, our uh, Christianity today loves to talk about God's love. God loves you. This is our evangelistic method. We want to convince people that God loves them. And of course, that's true in a sense. God does love everybody, but he does not love everybody like he loves the church. There is a unique, special, fatherly care for his body. These verses are trying to communicate this kind of care and concern and love of God the Father for his church because we belong to his son. Because we are so united to his son that we are, in effect, one with him. And so God's love for his son is his love for us. So these verses are trying to say to you, and because he loves us so much, we are to love each other like that. Okay? We are, because we see the worth and love that the Father places on this church, to mimic and mirror that love because it is his love with which we love him. Okay, so can you say you love God and not care for the church like Paul is here encouraging us to care for the church? Not at all. Because to love the church is to love Christ because we are Christ's body. So this chapter then wants to reorder the affections of your heart. It wants to bump up the church in your order of priority. We have this saying, God comes next, family, country. God, family, country. Where's the church? In the priority of affections in the scripture, it's church before family. It's church before country. 
It's church before vocation. It's church before recreation. It's the body of Christ. And within this body, God has given us this great diversity to be used to care for and build this up. Verses 28 to 30, he again goes through this list of gifts, apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles, healing, administrating, various kinds of tongues. Then he asks these rhetorical questions, are all prophets, are all apostles, teachers, blah, 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 blah. You're to use what God has given you for this body as a matter of priority. As a matter of giving your main allegiance to Christ's body because that is love. I will show you a still more excellent way. He doesn't mean, forget what I've just said in chapter 12, now move on to chapter 13. He's saying, let me show you how to live within chapter 12. Let me show you how to love. Love is patient. Love is kind. He's talking about how to relate to each other within this body with all this diversity. I think that's very helpful as we consider what's coming up in election. To get our priorities right. To care for the church. To consider voting for the candidates and party that will most honor what Christ honors on this earth. To not be dismayed or appalled if so-and-so gets elected and not so-and-so. To give yourself to building up Christ's body. Because in building up Christ's body, it's the greatest way that we're going to affect change in this world. And in going from being built up by the body into the world, being backed up by Christ's people, we can actually be useful. And so look around, brothers and sisters. Every person here has been put here by God arranged just as he desired for you to have care for. Well, how are you going to do that practically? How are you going to do that? Well, we have neighborhood small groups. That's a place to really gather with a smaller group of people, get to know them, and figure out how you can use what God has given you to care for them. That's one way. Can be here after service, figuring out where you're going to sit, sitting someplace different, trying to get to know somebody that you don't already know, showing them attention, figuring out how you can pray for them. It is by going out during the week and doing whatever God is giving you to do with all your might in order to generate wealth or provide jobs or provide a good day's labor, all to the glory of God so that the church might have a good reputation in the world. It is praying. 
for the body. It is it's taking the director that we'll take pictures for after the service again and looking at those pictures and praying for them, maybe contacting them, asking how you can pray for them. It's, it's all of those things. This is who we are. And lastly, it's to be very grateful for us. It's to be grateful for this body of Christ. To be humbled that we get to be a part of a local church. That God has chosen to place us here, arranged us to be here. To not lose the wonder, the sense of wonder at this. That what you're seeing here is Christ's body. And that he has individually arranged you as he has seen fit to enjoy the differences, to have affection for her, to give your loyalty to her. Because you love her. And so do you love her? Do you love this body? Do we have your heart? I don't know any way else to consider this. Let's pray. Father, help us now as we gather at the table with you at the head to receive what you've given us by faith that we might be strengthened to do as you have instructed us by your Holy Spirit to provide care, the same care for one another, to be so united to each other that when one suffers, we all do. When one is honored, we all rejoice because we are the body of Christ and individually members of it. <clears throat> and so God, please help us now. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the God of peace, who brought again uh, from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week in the Lord. I love you each.